Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space, slips a tackle, and there he goes! Crowder! It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there! A 69-yard touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. That's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen. Thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we're going to break down some film with the thunder from down under Luke Grant. Luke has taken a look at some of the film from the last two games. We had that short turnaround. So we're going to look at some of the film from both the victory over the Cincinnati Bengals and the butt kicking on national TV Thursday night against the Indianapolis Colts. Luke you had a lot to look at, so this should be a fun show. Some good, some bad, some ugly. Yeah, it was quite a contrast in the, the four or five ga- days between games, wasn't it? You had the the high that the Jets fans were feeling after the win against the Bengals at MetLife. Everyone was feeling good. Suddenly, you hear people talking about going four and four the next eight weeks, and all that kind of talk started again. And then now it comes crashing back down to earth after um, – after the you know embarrassment really against Indy, now you face Buffalo next week. It's a it's a harsh reality check, but I guess that's just the life of a uh, of a Jets fan. It sure is, Luke. And let me tell you, as somebody who's been unfortunately through this a lot longer than most, I don't know when this is going to get any better. I wish I had answers for people because people are like, when is this going to stop? When is this going to stop? I don't know. But one thing I will say is the Jets do at least have some promising young talent, and we'll get into that in a bit because you had the opportunity to take a good look at them. One guy that really came out of nowhere. Now, who knows what the story is going to be with him going forward. But Mike White, in that game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and then even against Indianapolis, 
not going to sit here and tell you he was perfect. Luke, you've been more than happy to point out on Twitter that Mike White had quite a few mistakes. Some of them turned into turnovers. Some of them probably should have turned into turnovers. But when we're talking about a guy who's 26 years old, had never started a game before the Cincinnati Bengals game, and who has been on and off the roster 11 separate times, he really showed some promise. And we're going to get into another aspect of this as it pertains to the way the offense is running right now, and we'll talk about Mike LaFleur and the booth and all that. But first, Mike White. Yes, there are valid criticisms, but for what was expected of him and for where he's at right now in his career and who he is, it's not like he was some blue-chip prospect. You look at the film, and I think that there was more good than bad And if nothing else, he's the type of guy that it looks like now that if he had to play a couple of games, you wouldn't feel scared about it the way that you would have before. This is not a Luke Falk type of situation if Mike White has to play for any significant period of time. Well, credit to the coaching staff and to Joe Douglas, first of all, because we all questioned it. Those questions amplified after they traded for (laughs) for Joe Flacco like a week (laughs) ago. But they knew what they had in Mike White and, you know, it looks like they were correct. So credit to those guys and their decision-making process and what they saw during the offseason because it looks like they really didn't get that decision correct. As it pertains to Mike White, that first game, the best way I can sum it up is like this. If you ask me, considering the situation that he's a 26-year-old guy that's never started in the NFL before, I'd say Mike White was like a 9 out of 10. If you ask me on the scale of quarterbacks in the NFL, where you don't take into account situations and things like that, I'd say it's like a seven and a half. Either way, they're great results from a guy who was in his first NFL start. The thing that really stood out on tape, Scott, especially early in the game, was his accuracy in the short to intermediate, especially at the short level, zero to nine yards. And then his decision-making. People kind of questioned The next week in Indy that's just passed, why Michael Carter didn't get targets. A lot of Michael Carter's targets weren't designed plays by Matt LaFleur, sorry, Mike LaFleur. It was just Mike White doing a good job of getting through the progression, finding the dump off and letting his players make a play. And that's what he did really well. Look, we both know, I think a lot of the viewers know and the listeners that it's not repeatable to have 275 yards after the catch that's not something that's going to happen week after week but it's a credit to Mike White that he gave his playmakers the opportunity to the accuracy leads to yards after the catch because they don't have to turn around on the back shoulder you know find the ball and then continue he was hitting them in stride he was finding the right man time after time and then as we'll get into Mike LaFleur also did an amazing job of making the picture a lot clearer for him for simplifying things and I thought the play calling was fantastic But yeah, Mike White was decisive. He was accurate. And that's how you win in the NFL. Did he have some mistakes? Sure. He had the wheel route that he underthrew that would have been a touchdown to Michael Carter. Should have been a touchdown. It should have been six the other way in the end. Had a couple of interceptions that were partly unlucky, partly his fault. But all in all, when you're throwing the ball, you know, 45 plus times in your first NFL start and you only have two or three turnover worthy plays, it was a really good effort. And look, I've been tougher on Mike White because I like to push back against the narrative and some of these you know, momentum waves you get on Jets Twitter. But all in all, it was an extremely respectable performance. And as the stats show, it was one of the best the Jets have had in the last 20 years. Luke, I want to get into what you're talking about with Mike LaFleur in a second. But first, 
I want to talk about Elijah Moore because we had said that the tape had showed that he was consistently getting open in the games that he played. And finally, Mike White made some good use of that, as did Josh Johnson, by the way, because the last two weeks, Elijah Moore has really made an impact. This is more or less the beginning of what we thought the Jets had gotten when they drafted him out of Ole Miss and then with all the raving going on in training camp over the summer. So talk to me about what you saw here because Corey Davis was out. I think this provided some more opportunities for a lot of the other guys on the offense, but particularly Elijah Moore, who had two excellent games in a row. The incredible thing is, Scott, he had two kind of breakout games. He had the two touchdowns against Indy. I think he had 15 catches across the two games and above 150 yards combined. He's still only playing 55% of snaps across those two games. It's not like we're getting a high volume of Elijah Moore. He was just over 40% against the Bengals. And then that number kind of reached around 60% last week against Indy. So we're still not even seeing him utilize that heavily. And that's going to get more and more as we get rolling here. And Mike LaFleur feels even more comfortable. But look, we both talked about it, Scott. A guy we compared Elijah Moore to just after the draft was Antonio Brown. And you're seeing him win on the outside. You're seeing him win with route routes, uh, great nuance, and just a great feel for zone coverage. All of those things are littered on the tape at Ole Miss. I want to talk specifically about two routes that I really liked from the game against Indy on the weekend. The first one on that second drive where Mike White took us down the field, we had the touchdown. He had back-to-back catches before the touchdown. So the one... Uh, prior to the touchdown was like a 22-yard dig, so it's an in-breaking route. You think, you know, how hard is it to run that to full a corner? Well, the Colts are playing cover three. What he did so well was sell the vertical route. If you let them know, the cornerbacks and the safeties, that you're running a dig and your body language and your change of direction isn't up to par, it's very easy to shut down and undercut a route like that. He attacked and sold the vertical route. He attacked the leverage of the cornerback when he opened his hips. And then the little subtle head fake and then running that dig. He was naked. And then the next the next snap, another touchdown. Did a great job selling the flat. So the corner relaxed in cover two, who was guarding that area of the field. It was Xavier Rhodes. And then he kicked it upfield for the up and out and then went down and got the touchdown. It was a bit of a busting coverage, but it's the nuanced route running. It's just the ability to move so well in space and to sell things. He's an extremely smart and cerebral football player, and that just showed time and time again. But again, Scott, it's designed touches as well. You see him getting these little end arounds and screens, and they're just finding ways to get the ball in his hands. He's going to start to thrive. I'd expect a huge second half of the season, regardless of who's a quarterback. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Luke, there was a song in 1981 by a band called Foreigner that came out. It was called Jukebox Hero. Absolutely phenomenal song if you don't know it. It's a pretty famous song. But when I watched the last two games, in my head that song was playing, but I was replacing the words Jukebox Hero with Skybox Hero. And the picture in my head was of Mike LaFleur because ever since he's gone up into the Skybox, the Jets' offense has just looked completely different. Talk to me about what you saw on film because I know you were very happy with the results that you saw on the field. It's impossible not to be. And the first part of the game planning, I think, is independent of Mike LaFleur being in the box. I just think he got his scripted plays so much better. I want people to think back to the Cincy game where they won at MetLife Stadium, that opening drive. First snap, what have you got? You have a design little screen uh, to the running back. They take it for 10 yards. 
Next place right after that, they go into my favorite package that I've seen from Mike LaFleur the last few weeks. It's the toss and the fake toss look. They then find Denzel Mims leaking across the middle and they find him. It's just making your quarterback's life so much easier. And that carried over again for Mike White against Indianapolis on uh, on Thursday night football as well. So the scripted periods have been 10 times better and that's fantastic. But then you can just see him formulating game plans, responding to what the defense is doing so much better than he was standing 50 yards away from the play on the sideline. He's comfortable up there. His adjustments have been spot on. You saw again, look, let's be honest, Indy stopped trying when the score was 42 to 10 or whatever it was on Thursday night. But his adjustments, ability to pick cover two apart, to understand and diagnose what teams are doing and adjust on the fly. That's what's been most impressive to me. Look, are they the same plays? Of course, he hasn't changed the playbook now that Mike White and Josh Johnson have come in. But the way he's putting them together, making plays bounce off one another. And again, I've got to mention it. This toss package, Scott, Cincinnati, the first, second snap of the game to Denzel Mims. They then score off that same package, but giving the ball on the toss to Michael Carter. Later in the game, they snuck Elijah Moore across with the fake toss. And then against Indy on Thursday, we had another play out of that package where they tossed it to Carter. They threw the flea flicker back and Mike White had uh, Ryan Griffin wide open as well as Smith. And he ended up nearly throwing an interception. But it's just the formulation of these packages. He's developing and becoming that guy. The last thing I want to say in this is I've been a little surprised how open and willing to talk about it the Jets coaching staff have been that Zach Wilson was the only reason he was up, sorry, down on the sideline. LaFleur actually said after the game against Indy that, look, this is where I wanted to be all along. Zach just wanted me on the sideline. I was a little surprised they sold their rookie quarterback down the river. It was interesting, but look, he's where he should be. He's where he wants to be. And you can see that confidence in his play calling. Michael Carter is where he should be too. And where he should be is as the primary back in this offense. That game against Cincinnati, I said this in the postgame show with Andy Vasquez, was one of the best dual threat performances I've seen a Jets running back have in a really long time. You combine what we saw from Michael Carter with what we saw from Elijah Moore, and it's hard not to get excited about the future of this Jets offense. You called him a dual threat. I want to call him a triple threat. This kid's a great blocker as Mm -hmm. well in pass protection. He can do everything, which is why he's going to see the field more and more on third down. How can you not be impressed by this kid? I joked during the game that I don't think I've ever seen him tackled on first contact in his life. It was on the tape at UNC. This isn't a surprise, but it's the lateral movement, the balance after contact. There was a play where uh, the Bengals on the right side of their defensive line shot a run blitz and it went straight into Michael Carter, but he ricochets off it. He does a pirouette. He keeps his feet and he still gets six yards on the play. That should have been a loss of two. And that's what we saw through the first part of the season was we kept saying, everyone kept saying, Michael Carter's playing great. It just isn't reflecting on the stat sheet. Well, now that the run blocking is getting a little better and he's getting a little more confident, you're seeing it all come into fruition. It was beautiful, especially against Cincinnati. Uh, The pass catching, even though he had the interception ricochet off his head, wasn't really on him. He's got good hands. He's a good route runner. As I've mentioned a few times, he's not McCaffrey. He's not Kamara, but he's in that next group with Dalvin Cook and those type of guys. He's more than comfortable and confident coming out of the backfield running routes. You can give him screens because he will make the guy miss. He'll always find a way to to break that first tackle, and you can guarantee he's going to maximize his output. You have to be thrilled. I mean, he has something like 350 yards across the last three games. He has been absolutely phenomenal. He was a steal of a draft at the time. Getting him in the fourth round was ridiculous value. And you can just see now, you mentioned it, Elijah Moore, 
You've got Michael Carter. Corey Davis is coming back. The bones and structure of this offense are there for Zach Wilson when he's ready to come back and ready to step into that starting role. I'm super excited to see them come together because for the first time in a long time, there's a young core here that Jets fans can be excited about. Luke, we've come to that portion of the show where I'm just going to say, go ahead and gush about Elijah Vera Tucker, and I'm going to sit back and absorb it all. The dude is a freak, Scott. I mean, the play that everyone's talked about and seen against Cincinnati, so two weeks ago we're talking, was on the touchdown to Braxton Berrios. So they're in the red zone. They're throwing a speed out to the pylon. Mike White, awesome location, great ball. That doesn't pl- That doesn't happen that opportunity doesn't present itself without Elijah Vera Tucker. The Jets clearly had a five-man protection going against six blockers. I believe, and this is a guess, that Chumro Doga was supposed to bump inside and block the blitzing linebacker, but in the end, he doesn't. He stays on the outside. Vera Tucker blocks his one technique, feels the linebacker coming, and that the guy next to him isn't doing his job. So he slides across, makes an incredible play to just throw the blitzer to the ground. It was just an awesome display of football IQ, athleticism, speed and footwork for a 300-pound athlete. It's special. There's about two or three guards in the NFL, one of them we saw for Indy on the weekend, that can make that play. And Elijah Veritaka can already, and he's only played eight games of football in the NFL. It's so exciting because then you look what he's doing in the run game, and he's destroying people. Elijah Vera Tucker in space pulling, that's what's been best. I didn't mention it when I talked about Mike LaFleur. We're seeing more pin and pull and crack toss motions from the offensive line. And that's allowing Elijah Vera Tucker in space. You can run right, even with Greg Van Roten over there, when your lead blocker is Elijah Vera Tucker. Two runs against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, where he was pin pull out in space. And he was a lead blocker for the touchdown for Michael Carter. And then Michael Carter getting within like three yards later in the first half. So he's awesome in that respect. And then I'm telling you, I haven't quite finished the All-22 to put up a video yet, but there were some running snaps where he was just doing disgusting things to DeForest Buckner and a lot of these guys. There was a trap run when he got out in space and then seal blocked. It was phenomenal. It's the hand placement. It's the aggression. It's the IQ I talked about. These are rare skill sets. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Jets fan and I've got this warped perception of what Elijah Vera Tucker is. I think I do a pretty good job staying kind of level-headed and understanding the landscape, how players are compared to other NFL players. I promise you, this guy's a top five left guard for the next 10 years. Luke, the defense is such a strange story because against Cincinnati, they played so well. And then against Indianapolis, they played so poorly. So what stuck out to you both negatively and positively on the defensive side of the ball from those two games when you took a look at the film? So the run defense. I mean, we we have to start there because against Indy, they were just completely gashed, Scott. And people were surprised by it. But I think the baseline and the hints have been there for a while. I'm going to talk about a guy who most people probably don't think of when they think of the Jets' defense as super important, but it's Foley Fatakasi. Fatakasi is a guy who has been an elite run defender for the last three years here. He's the PFF poster boy for run defense. They graded him at 40 against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think it raised some eyebrows. People thought, no, I didn't see Foley you know, playing that badly. But man, you saw him just get destroyed against Indy on Thursday night. And here's the key. Robert Sala on this defensive line, their whole approach is go and get them, get them off the snap, get downfield. What are teams starting to do? Wham blocks, trap plays, letting them get north-south and then sealing and creating a lane using their own aggressiveness against them. That's what's standing out and that's why the Jets are struggling in run defense. It isn't because they don't have the horses. It's because the scheme is so aggressive, which 
has its benefits, of course. We saw that against the Bengals. They got Burrow off his spot all day. But if you can formulate a game plan around it, especially in the run game, you can be in trouble. And I think Fatakasi has really been destroyed the last few weeks. He's been caught upfield and on the ground a ton. Outside of that, the whole defensive line played poorly. They didn't get pressure. Even Quinnen Williams, who everyone knows I'm a huge fan of, had a couple of nice plays early, chased down a jet sweep and an end around and things like that, but didn't have a pressure in the game. First time since week five, 2020, he hasn't had a pressure. So he was there as well. He didn't put his hand up. And when you do that against Carson Wentz and you give him time, you're going to struggle because on the back end, look, Bryce Hall had some nice plays. Michael Carter probably had his worst game as a pro, but they're young. They're teething. There's going to be mistakes. So when you're not covering them up and helping to, to kind of hide and conceal those deficiencies on the back end, they're just going to get exposed, even against an indie team that doesn't have a ton of weapons out there. And then I guess I should probably mention Ashton Davis. There's been some discussion. I was super critical of him on Thursday night. PFF came out and called him the highest rated Jets player, gave him an 81 overall grade. I know a lot of guys who know their stuff like Leger Dujable and, and people of that nature and stature have, have you know been pretty positive about how he played. I don't think he played well. I don't think tackles are a stat that can define if a player played well. I know he forced a couple of fumbles, but even on that play on the screen pass, he just said to Quentin Nelson, you know what? Just block me. I can't beat you and get on the inside and get to the man. He gave up on the play and then got pushed 10 yards down the field into it. His angles in the run game, Jonathan Taylor's touchdown, the 70 yard touchdown took a terrible angle when Michael Carter got beaten deep in the second half. Sorry, the second quarter, I think it was. He had outside leverage. He was pushing the receiver to the middle of the field and Ashton Davis gets turned around as a pirouette and it's a 40 yard completion. I just think he wasn't great. So that's probably in general, what stood out to me. And then look, one more, let's throw it out there. The linebackers were disgusting. I've been so um, full of praise for CJ Mosley this year and so critical of PFF and the way they've graded him. He deserved whatever grade he got because that's probably the worst game of football I've seen CJ Mosley play. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the film from the last two weeks with me. Really appreciate it. We've got plenty of videos up on our YouTube channel. Obviously, you co-host Play Like a Jet Live Wednesday nights with Clayton Smarslock in conjunction with you, Stadium. Luke, talk a little bit about what's going to be on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Also, talk a little bit about our store at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. Because I think you know somebody pretty well that does the shirt designs, don't you? Yeah, Alex, my partner, does all the designs for us over at um, T Public. We've got the Zach Wilson Goes Along. Make sure you get that there out. I've got it on my laptop. Got a phone cover, a couple of cool shirts. Support the channel. Support Alex. Just do everything you can. It's also just awesome merch. I know there's a lot of Jet stuff out there. It's quite generic. We tried to do something a little bit different with the kind of caricature design for the logo. So it's awesome. We've got the bless you, thank you range with John Franklin Myers and Quinn and Williams. They've been quiet, but you know they're going to turn it around. We've got stuff coming. I've heard whispers. There might be a Chris Nimbley shirt coming out, a few other things. So keep your eye on our social medias. We play like a Jet. Keep an eye out for the T Public store as well. And then over on the YouTube side, there's going to be a video on Elijah Vera Tucker breaking down both of the games against Cincinnati and Indianapolis. Excuse me. There'll be a video on Elijah Moore. There'll be one on Michael Carter. And then, look, as far as everything else, Scott, I just think you have to do everything you can to support us. I know it's so difficult when the Jets are losing and you don't want to be surrounded by more talk and discussion about the Jets, but we have awesome content creators that play like a Jet. Do everything you can to support us, and we want to support the Jets. Make sure that you're following Luke on Twitter at LukeGrant7. Check out the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel 
and subscribe if you haven't already. Also, tpublic.com, T-E-E-Public.com. That's where you can get the shirts that Luke just talked about. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet for the podcast, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and Play Like a Jet. Dot com.